This edition of the USCC Expo Experience on CannabisRadio.com is brought to you by Regulated Solutions, your partner for producing compliant cannabis and hemp brand events. Learn more at RegulatedSolutions.com. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents the USCC Expo Experience. Featuring one-on-one interviews with speakers, exhibitors, and attendees from the United States Cannabis Conference and Expo. And now, the USCC Expo Experience, only on CannabisRadio.com. And welcome back to the USCC Expo Experience here on CannabisRadio.com. We're going to talk about polls. We're going to talk about studies, facts, figures, numbers within the cannabis space, and what better than a company that is doing a lot of that kind of work right now for the cannabis industry, Ipsos. And if you might be familiar, for those of you that were always attentively reading specifically the national news about presidential elections, you know that there's Ipsos that normally uh, runs one of their polls that chronicles what the current gauges of particular races within that presidential election cycle. So with that said, I'm here with the executive vice president of Ipsos. And as also the Cannabis Consulting consulting Lead for Canada, Michael Roddenberg. Mike, thanks for joining us here on the show. Great. Great to be here. Thanks. And my pleasure. So very interesting information that you have uh, uncovered, that your team has uncovered for us. Start off with Canada. So when Canada legalized cannabis in October 2018, 78% of Canadians said that they thought cannabis consumption would increase. But interesting fact, the reality is consumption has barely increased at all. As a result, the stakes are even higher now for new products, formats, and methods of delivery in the cannabis space. So talk to me real quick about how much has legislative and regulatory obstacles taken into account based on the research your team has learned? Um, Well, I think, you know, Canada's an interesting case study because uh, outside of what we've done from a consumption occasion tracking perspective, uh, Canada's regulatory environment has both created a market opportunity for cannabis licensed producers in the sense that you can now purchase legally for any reason whatsoever, uh, adult medical or recreational use cannabis. Um, This has created lots of opportunities for previously gray market or, or, uh, you know, street corner dealer type transactions to now happen through legitimate retail. Um, but Canada's regulatory re- requirements um, have put a lot of restrictions on the space such that, for example, uh, Health Canada has required plain packaging for all cannabis products sold in Canada. Uh, they have placed regulations and restrictions around product claims that impair people's ability to make informed choices for themselves. You cannot on a package, for example, talk about how a the cannabis product will make you feel. Uh, all the packaging can contain is very plain lettering, perhaps the brand name of the of the product that you're purchasing, and the percentage CBD and C- THC content. It's really amazing just the issues that with Canada, and really what it comes down to when they talk about that's that fact right there really does stand to me because based on all the interviews I've done for this program and for the Blunt Business Radio Series, which I also host, 
we've talked to a number of Canadian companies, and really, it's those companies are more focused, even though they're building amazing infrastructure, bringing in lots of employees. What's really happening more than anything is they are setting up import-export, and that's really where it's going to look at, where all that product that's being manufactured and being harvested is going to have to go somewhere else. They're going to have to push it out somewhere else, and they're already planning for it. And that, in some cases, people have talked about that will be a detriment on America, which needs to expedite the process of getting legalization in some way, shape, or form to a larger scale to let all those states have the chance to have interstate commerce, to have the opportunity to expand themselves. So it's an interesting dynamic and very poignant on how that stat really does say that. Now, another thing Advice has been doing as well, and I want to just give a little context of it, is that there's a series of reports that Ipsos has been putting out called the What the Future series, or WTF. (laughs) Uh, is, you know, it focuses on vices like cannabis, beer, wine, spirits, and sports betting. And as part of the report, just to give the context, the, the scope of these kind of surveys, you're conducting survey through 26 countries asking for predictions and discussing the relative morality of various vices from chocolate to cannabis. Now, specifically, what I'm going to talk about here is how legalized cannabis is impacting the alcohol industry. Now, one poll asked, who should control cannabis laws in the U.S., federal versus states debate? 71% of respondents said agreed that this is a state's right issue. The federal government should leave regulation to the states. And cannabis should be legal where states have legalized it. And that, and for me, I'm in support of that, which is really the Bipartisan States Act, which is being circulated, uh, has been bipartisan supported and written. Would that be the best option for the U.S. based on this research? Uh, it certainly sounds like it. I mean, one of the things that our research also has shown that, you know, we've tracked cannabis consumption patterns uh, around 28 countries around the world. And, you know, while Canada is number one at 24% of the population using cannabis, the United States is actually number two in the world at 23% of Americans. So when you think about almost one in four Americans are already using cannabis, you know, the idea that this is a schedule one Drug that's it's highly highly regulated within you know the the contiguous 40, uh, 50, 50 states of the America. Yes. Um, it, it's actually kind of boggling my mind that there's that high of a prevalence of usage, but yet it's still a regulated drug in the same vein of cocaine and heroin. I think part of that has to be attributed to the amount of black market cannabis that even though all these different states have legalization of either medical or adult use, that is the problem. Is that I mean, we were just talking extensively with several uh, companies in California that, you know, the black market still accounts to almost 50% of the cannabis that's being sold. And not only that, I can tell you for a fact that also some of that product is being shipped over, it's being shipped interstate. And people that are buying black market are buying legal product, but they're just not buying it as properly done. So the one in four definitely states that. And this is where, with all this going on, I mean, listen, the tax revenue, the the opportunities for a medical side for a lot of people. And it's like you said, there are so many people who already support, not just in the poll, for having the States Act, basically having the states control and you know having the given the autonomy to legalize or not. That just tells you everything that you need to know. And a lot of places that are looking to go and have either medical or adult use, at least medical gets about 67, two-thirds or three-quarters support. 
and more than half of full legalization across the entire country. Those kind of things that really do play. Now, another thing I want to bring up, which is very, very, really unique for this part, is how legalized cannabis is impacting the alcohol industry, like I mentioned before. So this is the second point of that. Now, Ipsos has an alcohol consumption tracker, an ACT, and a cannabis consumption tracker, a CCT, that studies attitudes and behaviors regarding cannabis that they are slow to shift after legalization. Now, this is what was being said in this report. Quote, What's clear, however, is that there is blue sky for cannabis companies to define their niche in consumers' lives as legalization of medical and adult use spreads across North America. New uses, refined consumption methods, and strong brands will proliferate as the industry matures. As you will see throughout the issue, which is explained on here, and we'll ha- happy to go ahead and link this to everybody so they can take a look at it, on the show description, there is widespread interest in North America in THC and CBD products and integrating THC and CBD into existing product categories, end quote. Now, Michael, to you, do you foresee alcohol and cannabis coexisting without any real competition? Um, so I think my the answer to that question is more complicated than just yes or no. Okay. Uh, I do think that over time, cannabis does represent a slow, possible threat to the alcohol consumption uh, generally speaking, although our data so far shows that there isn't a ton of overlap between cannabis consumption occasions and alcohol consumption occasions. And, and, and I think in, in the very short term, what we see happening is, is an understanding how people use alcohol and the types of occasions where they drink alcohol when you study those and then you compare them to how people use cannabis, you start to appreciate and understand that they're actually quite different in many, many respects. A vast majority of cannabis consumption occasions happen when, when someone is alone. And if you compare that to when people drink alcohol, alcohol, by generally speaking, is a highly social product. 77% of consumption occasions of alcohol happen with other people around. And so you have to ask yourself, how much of a threat is cannabis going to be if 57% of the consumption occasions for cannabis happen when you're alone and 77% of consumption occasions for alcohol happen with when you're with other people, you're going to have to go to a state where a vast number of recreational cannabis consumption occasions look and act like alcohol consumption occasions. So rather than coming home from work and lighting up a joint and smoking it alone, which is what a lot of people do from a recreational cannabis perspective, that has to change to one where you might be sharing a joint with someone else before it even has an opportunity to eat into what would otherwise be an alcohol consumption occasion. I think the other thing that's got to be taken into account, which we've talked about pretty extensively on the network, is the creation of cannabis beverages and a lot of them being created that are THC-infused. So what it comes down to is, will there be, do you believe that with the kind of uh, influx of both brands? I mean, it's not as if, I think there's some way of some kind of a coexistence could happen, but I'm just wondering if you go to a liquor store shelf in a couple of years, will you see THC-infused beverages in the same area as alcohol? You might, you might. And the way they position those cannabis-infused beverages might be, might eat into alcohol consumption occasions if, if they're marketed in a way that 
are similar to the consumption occasions, the need states for alcohol consumption occasions. So if all of a sudden people start pairing a cannabis beverage with a particular type of meal, which is a very common occurrence in wine, as an example, and drives a lot of the wine consumption, then you'll have an opportunity where that cannabis beverage may eat into wine consumption occasions. But that, I mean, I can't predict, I don't have a crystal ball to determine whether or not that will actually happen or not right now. Um, and, and, And part of it, the answer will be, it is going to need to depend on what products are created and how they're marketed and how they're consumed by consumers. It's, uh, a lot of, I was going to say one more thing. Is sure, sure, sure. A lot of alcohol consumption, for example, happens to enjoy a spe- special moment with someone else. So maybe you're on a date and you're having a, a glass of wine with uh, a date or you're using it as a way to celebrate an occasion. Um, and again, a lot of the social rituals that surround alcohol are going to have to transfer over to these cannabis beverages and other cannabis products if they're going to start to eat into the consumption occasions that would typically be otherwise enjoyed by alcohol. Fascinating. Really good insight into this. So a couple of things that are mentioned in the same study is that you also mentioned that legalization will likely help stigmas recede over time, leading to reduced barriers and expanded opportunities and disruption will certainly occur, but perhaps not in the expected areas and then the anticipated ways. And I think there's going to be some kind of a way where there will be a, some kind of harmony between both. Because, And the other thing, too, what was interesting is how you mentioned that in some cases, alcohol might not be consumed with food but cannabis innocent and so it's a matter of whatever vibe whatever vice that uh somebody wants to consume say at a social occasion or an event or whatever just sitting back at home they're not going to just take both because there's obviously two different kind of vices that will definitely give you a different feel and a different um, effect so maybe not having to go with both just like they say don't mix beer with wine you might not you know mix cannabis with alcohol they probably would be a bit of a church and state kind of feel to that well, absolutely. Though, Mike, again, uh, Executive Vice President of Ipsos, real quickly, um, I know we're going to have you and uh, some of your uh, team are going to be at our United States Cannabis Conference and Expo. Um, what are some of the things that you want to be able to let attendees and let those that are going to be hearing you speak, what are some of the things that you would like to make sure you get pointed across to the community there in South Florida? Uh, well, I think one of the things that uh, we're going to have to see a a relatively dramatic shift in cannabis consumption is is the social stigma associated with consuming cannabis. Um, One of the things that we've done with cannabis consumers in Canada, and I don't believe this would be any different uh, if if we asked a random sample of American cannabis consumers is, you know, even if you're a cannabis consumer, do will you tell others that you're a cannabis consumer and half of Canadian cannabis consumers will said they will not tell others that they consume cannabis. If the category is going to grow, the category people are going to have to recognize that that social stigma does not carry as negative a stereotype as it used to. Um, otherwise, what's going to happen is, is there, will, there will be this natural inhibition to participating in the category. I think that that in itself and, and the fact that people don't want to be judged as the next Cheech and Chong right. or other negative stereotype 
associated with cannabis consumption, that's going to be a real limiter to category growth. Um, and, and, and as that attitude shifts, I think we'll see g- greater and greater willingness to participate in the category. Fantastic. Real quickly, uh, uh, one of the things I want to make mention is there's a few things to announce before we let you go. I see there's a webinar that's going to be coming up on WTF Cannabis, the birth of a new category, and that's coming up June 17th, 10 a.m. Pacific, and go to ipsos.com if you want to go and learn more. It's complimentary, so that's a great report to go and look at and really learn more, more about. And, of course, after that, you'll be joining us for the August 34th for the USCC Expo in Miami. Now, one more thing I want to ask about before I go is just in the matter of Ipsos in general, uh, because I haven't seen, there's obviously companies that we've seen within the space that do studies on cannabis, but I haven't seen a whole lot of mainstream companies that have done this the same. What was it that felt the, the what was it that your that the folks at Ipsos felt compelled to enter this industry and offer support with the data research and, and the fact finding you're able to do? Well, I, the reality is that uh, it is increasingly becoming a, a legal product whether at the state level for medicinal purposes or in Canada for recreational purposes or elsewhere in the world for other medical medical reasons, you know, there is no question that big money is coming into the space and there is an immediate need for consumer insights to help brands formulate new products, build new brands, and ultimately help build a successful business. And we as an organization are in the business of providing insights to mitigate risk, identify opportunities, track performance, or you know solve business problems. And that's what we as do as a business. And so we do that as much in the cannabis space as we would for alcohol or any other consumer good or any other technology product for that matter. Uh, for us, it's just business. And we're here to help businesses address those uh, p- particular consumer needs. Fantastic work. And the thing is really staying ahead of the game when it comes to being able to track, being able to do, conduct these surveys, a lot of digital work that you're doing as well. I mean, it's a lot of accuracy as well. Because, I mean, for one thing, I can tell you from a lot of different places I read about episodes, a lot of integrity and um, great reputation, stellar from what I've read. So to have Ipsos as part of this industry, just to be able to go and provide that information, which with your name, will definitely resonate among anybody that's mainstream or anybody that's just a conventional business person that's looking to make their way in, which, of course, a lot of Fortune 500, Fortune 1000 executives, a lot of business owners, investors, they are looking to invest their money in. It's important that your information is the gateway to open up more of the market and to open up more competition, more uh, interest in the industry. So, I mean, on behalf of the industry, I think we're grateful to have your team helping out and giving us this wonderful information. I'm, I'm really excited to have your group coming to join us at the USCC Expo in Miami. Real quickly, uh, I want to really recommend people to go look at, our, at the website, ipsos.com, ipsos.com, Ipsos. As they look at it, where are some of the things they should take a look at and what else should they know? Please let our listeners know what they should know and what they can do to work with you in some cases on if they're looking to find facts and figures that they need to know for what they're doing. Well, we, we do a lot of research that we publicly release uh, on our website. There's a great search function on uh, Ipsos.com that allows people to you know understand you know data that we have publicly released. 
Um, I would encourage anybody interested in the cannabis space or any other consumer product for that matter uh, to check out our, our website. And, you know, we frequently re-release uh, information and data on how people are going to vote in the next election or whether or not it's, uh, you know, reasons for consuming cannabis or alcohol or any other product category. Um, it's a great resource. I encourage anyone to use it for free. And obviously, if if there's uh, a commercial opportunity that comes out of uh, some of the free data that we have on our website, that's all we ask. And that's uh, that's our intent. And I'll tell you, there's a whole lot of information. I know that you do quite a bit of writing and a lot of publishing out there. I know uh, one of your co-hosts, Jessica Schneider, who we also have the schedule to speak at our show. Uh, she's also been writing a lot of bit. I see there's another story about will CBD be cannabis's biggest high? And I'm telling you, there's so much to be learned at the show and so much that you can provide in terms of information. So we are excited to have you join us. And, uh, you know, Mike, we really look forward to having you all in Florida joining us for a show and by all means thank you for making time to join us here on the show you're very welcome it was great to participate thanks my pleasure we're looking forward to seeing you in miami as we do all of you again the 2019 united states cannabis conference and expo returns to miami august 3rd and 4th learn more at usccexpo.com that's usccexpo.com we'll have education we will have powerful keynotes very interactive exhibit space. A lot of things awaiting you. Nighttime networking at the 2019 United States Cannabis Conference and Expo, August 3rd and 4th in Miami. Get your tickets today now at usccexpo.com. We will see you there. Thanks for joining us. You can listen to past episodes here of the USCC Expo Experience by going to CannabisRadio.com. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Thank you for listening. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.